As we've all just heard, the scripture reading today is John 1, 12 through 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Ah, well, it is wonderful to be back and to see you and uh, to worship with you and to share some things uh, that the Lord has been teaching me on my, uh, on the sabbatical, the, what did you call it, the robatical? The robatical, the roaming sabbatical. It's great. Um, But first, before we do any of that, let me pray. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for today. You know, it's stormy outside and Maybe it's stormy inside, Lord, um, but we know that you are present in the storm, and so we just pray that we would sense your presence, hear from you. We love you, and we love Jesus. Uh, we need the Spirit. I don't know if we love the Spirit all that much, but we, love, we need to love the Spirit, Lord. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so one of the things that I was thinking about, thinking about a lot of things, that's what you do on sabbaticals, you think, you pray. Uh, and spend time with family and go on hikes. And, uh, but one of the things I was thinking about was just what it means to be a child of God. What does it mean to be a child of God? And this is like one of those things that we talk about as a church. Yeah, you're a child of God. You, know, you believe in Jesus, you're a child of God. Uh, and it's like, what does that actually mean? <laughs> like, I have never physically seen my father if I am a child of God. Uh, is that a salvation thing? Is that a relational thing? Is that something beyond? How do we understand that? And, you know, I've had lots of other pastors, and I've heard sermons where they say, like, if you can, like, get this doctrine, right, if you can understand this, it really does something. It can help you navigate difficult times. It can just help you with who you are as a person, help you with your identity. And so that was something that I've I wrestled with, and I've just been wrestling with it. Uh, you know, I, I don't believe that everyone's a child of God. I don't know if you've heard. I've, I've said that before, you know, like this, this idea that, like, oh, we're, we're all God's children. I think Paul actually says something in Acts when he's talking to the, the Greeks about, that kind of sort of sounds like that. But if you read, like, the full scope of Scripture, I think he was just talking to them, trying to kind of bridge a gap if we read the, kind of the full scope of Scripture, we see that like, people that know Christ, that believe in Jesus, that have a special relationship with the Father, are his children. But just because I know that, that like categorically I'm a child of God, doesn't mean I really get it with my heart. So that was one of the things that I've been wrestling with, and I just wanted to share sort of some lessons. And uh, I was reading through the Gospel of John, and I got stuck Stuck on these two verses, 12 and 13. I'm actually going to read a different version, Alan, because it's good to hear your version. You know, but um, what was that, like the NASB, uh, the the Bible Dictionary of Bibles? Um, I'm going to read from the ESV just because that was the one I was meditating on, and I think it's a good translation. It says this. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, 
nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So there were like kind of three concepts, three ideas, three words that really stuck out to me. And they were the words blood, flesh, and will. Blood, flesh, and will. So I kind of want to just like meditate on those three words, those three concepts this morning. The first truth that the Lord was sinking into my heart is that I am not a child of God because of my blood. Not a child of God because of my blood. Maybe that seems obvious to you, but let's unpack this. And if you're a little squeamish about blood, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do we have any people that are squeamish about blood? I'm sort of going to raise my hand. I don't really like blood. If I remember right, my mom used to watch like ER and like those medical shows when we had like the old TV. You couldn't see the color, and then we got an HD TV, and it was like, I can't watch the medical shows anymore because they're too gory, they're too bloody. I'm not going to be showing any pictures of like ER or Grey's Anatomy this morning, so don't worry about that. Blood is significant. It's significant for identity. Uh, if we remember this book, John wrote it. So Gospel of John named after its author. He's one of Jesus' most beloved disciples, but he's also Jewish. And he's writing to both Jews and Gentiles, to non-Jews. He's writing to a mixed audience of people that have sort of different kinds of blood, different DNA, different, different bodies, different, different ethnicity, different histories. And the Jewish people really identified, right, through their blood. John writes, kind of at the beginning of this verse, at verse 12, he says, but to all who did receive him. Now, that little word all is significant. He's addressing the Jews and the Gentiles. He's saying, like, the salvation is not just for the Jews. Maybe you're familiar with the most famous verse in perhaps the whole Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him. Right, that's a... That's like a, kind of a big statement because it's saying salvation has not just come for one ethnic group, the Israelite people, it's come for all groups. This is really important because the Jewish people had for over a thousand years identified themselves as just like God's people, right? We're children of Abraham. That's like kind of a, a statement about blood, ethnicity, heritage. We're children of God. Deuteronomy 14.1, God said of the Israelites that you're the sons of the Lord your God. And then what did God do? He gave them a sign in blood. He gave them circumcision, a bloody sign to say, you're my people. And so here, John is sort of redefining that. He's redefining who God's people are and that it's not just about blood. In fact, blood has something to do with it, but not everything. You know, I was, uh, I've been working on my doctorate of ministry, and I was able to make some progress on that this summer, able to work on it. And uh, there's six of us in this cohort, and me and one of the other pastors are kind of keeping each other going. His name's Nathan Willems, and he's the pastor over at Chinese Bible Church. And he's been the, he's the longest-running pastor at that church. He's the only uh, white pastor, but he uh, has done a long ministry to kind of the Asian congregation of that church. He was the youth pastor for a long, long time. And one of the things that he found that his students would wrestle with is just identity formation. Who am I? 
So a lot of these students are second generation Americans, right? So their parents, native speakers from their Asian country, come to America, and then their kids are born, and we have some here, right? And, and they struggle with how do I identify myself? Do I identify with like my parents' country of origin? Do I identify with the place that I'm born and I grew up in the language I speak? Uh, you know, where does my faith fit into this? So his whole doctrine of ministry is about that topic, about like how can we form people's identity in Christ? Uh, how can like Christ be this bridge? Help me live in that tension. Uh, and one of the, so I read, I've been reading his chapters, he's been reading my chapters that we've been writing, and uh, I, I read this just fascinating quote, it's from this book called Becoming Asian American, he said, so it's about this uh, Chinese family, this girl named Meg, he says this, one of Meg's most vivid early memories from when she was about eight years old was that of a group of neighborhood children, primarily white, following and harassing her as she walked home from school. They pulled their eyelids up to make fun and chanted racial slurs. When May got home, her parents comforted, comforted her. Besides advising her to ignore the attacks, they also emphasized that she should take pride in her Chinese ancestry. They told me not to pay any attention, that the kids were just ignorant and mean. They also told me that I was Chinese. It was in my blood. It wasn't something to be ashamed of. It was one of those few times they actually talked about it, but I think it was really important to them that we were proud of being Chinese. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can relate to finding a lot of identity in your blood, whether it's Asian blood or Haitian blood or European blood or uh, New England blood, also known as Dunkin' Donuts blood. Maybe you find it kind of at a smaller level, right? Like Romig blood, Plateal blood, Rawls blood. I know I find a great deal of identity in, in my last name, right? And my, my being the child of Paul and Ellen and my siblings. Maybe you've struggled, right? Maybe you've moved, or your relationship with those, your family of origin isn't what it used to be. Or you've married someone from a different ethnicity. And you're wrestling with, like, how do I find my identity? And the scriptures call us to find our identity, not in our own blood. And I don't think it's wrong to find our identity. And I think it's good to kind of own the place you're, you're, you're at, where God has called you. But it also provides us this new way to find our identity. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So who do we believe in? Everyone knows this answer, right? Jesus, that's the, that's the right answer. When we believe in Jesus, when we receive him, we receive this status, this new identity, becoming a child of God. See, I'm not a child because of my blood. I'm a child of God because of his blood. So blood still matters. It's just not my blood or my parents' blood or my grandparents' blood. It's Christ's blood. We become children of God not by blood. And that kind of 
implies, so it gets to the end, it says, but by God. It's like, okay, well, so what, what by God, what from God do I, like, makes me his child? You can kind of go back and say, well, it's by the blood of God. It's by the flesh of God. It's by the will of God that I become a child of God. And Acts actually says this in, in, in chapter 20. We talked about this. It says, Paul says, care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. We, we feel comfortable talking about Jesus on the cross. Do we feel comfortable saying, like, God shed his blood through Christ for us so that we could become members of his family, so that his blood could run in us? When we think about Jesus, it's not just that he died to save us from our sins. He died to make us part of a new family. Man, it's, it's special being a part of God's family, isn't it? Andy said, I could embarrass you guys. Shabenta, getting to welcome you into the Bradshaw family officially this, uh, this summer. I think that deserves a round of applause. I don't know if you did that already. And Bona, you can't escape. What, it's six years today that we're celebrating uh, being a part of the Bradshaws? That's really special. And uh, so far as I'm aware, that neither your parents had to shed their own blood to, to get you into their family. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe there's. But we have a Heavenly Father that has given a lot, and your parents did give a lot. Right? They gave a lot to get you here. We have a Father who has given a lot. He's given his own Son. In John, Jesus is identified as the unique Son of God. I know elsewhere we're talked about being sons of God and and that's certainly like a privileged, special position. But there is this unique position that Christ holds as the kind of eldest brother who laid down his life so that the family could grow, so that the family could spread. And so that people, uh, you know, 2,000 years later, living in a completely, on a completely different continent, completely different heritages and backstories could say, I am a part of God's family. I am a child of God. I'm not a foreigner. I'm not an alien. I'm a beloved child. And so this is one of the things that we do as a church family. We need to remember this. And, and we actually do, right? We talk about at communion, what do we talk about? Taking like the blood of Christ, and so there are kind of these, these liturgy, these practices that we do to remember. So I'm going to remind us when we do communion in a couple of weeks, remember that like the blood of Christ is forming a new identity in you. You're seeing yourself differently. You're not primarily seeing yourself through your uh, American blood or your European blood or your Asian blood or your South American blood or African blood. You're seeing yourself through the blood of Christ. And you're seeing your church family, whether they're in Afghanistan or North Korea or Cape Cod or Colorado or California or wherever the church is, you're seeing them as the same blood as you. I'm not a child of God because of my blood, but because of his blood, his blood shed for me on the cross. 
And I'm also not a child of God because of my flesh. So this was one of the other words, right? Blood and flesh. John says we don't become children of God through the flesh. You, got, you can kind of continue with communion, right? The, the cup and, the, and the, the bread, the bread flesh. Right? Flesh is like what we do, who we are, like who, the, the actions that we take. Nothing we can do in this body can make me into a child of God or if I'm already a child of God through Christ, take that status away from me. When we think about identity formation, right, like when someone meets you, what do they do? They ask you your name. <laughs> and they say, what do you do? I, was, I, I think it was like the first time I ever did this. This summer I was at a wedding, Jess Salguero. And um, I asked someone, like, instead of asking what do you do, I was like, what, what are you passionate about? <laughs> I felt so good. I was like, oh, I'm not primarily basing their worth in what they do. That's so good of me. Um, I don't think anyone else cared. Yeah. <laughs> right, but we find a lot of identity in what we do, right? I'm a pastor. I'm an engineer or a lawyer or a student or I don't know what your title is, Jeremy. Patrolman? I don't know. Yeah. We find a lot of identity in that, right? And when things go well, that feels really good. I feel like a good lawyer, a good engineer, a good student, good pastor. But when things don't go well, people leave, or the chairs look a little empty, or things don't go well at work, or the project fails. It really messes with us, doesn't it? really messes with our sense of worth, how we feel as human beings. And the good thing is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us a different way to see ourselves. It's not primarily through anything that we can do. Nothing that we can do in the flesh will make me any less a child of God or make me any more a child of God. And this is so counterintuitive to how most of us are wired. Maybe you can think about the way that you were raised or the way that you've been just treated by others. And the thing that most people care about I don't want to do two big generalities here, but right, the things we do, right, the behaviors that we that we have, right, we're we're told to by our parents as we grow, right, they 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 spend a lot of time teaching us how to behave, (laughs) how to do the things right. I know this because I'm a parent. I'm doing this. I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but there is a dark side of that, right, the dark side of behavior and doing well in society and in our families is that we begin to find our sense of worth through how well we are pleasing others, right? Through how well we are behaving. Sometimes those relationships, maybe with a parent or a sibling or a coworker, uh, begins to go poorly. They, they begin not to like you because you are not 
meeting their behavior expectations or they treat you poorly or they get upset with you. I know this because I'm a parent and I do it to my, my son. Right? I get upset with him if he misbehaves. The dark side of this is that we begin to see our relationship with our Heavenly Father the same way. If you will just behave and do what's right, I will be pleased with you. And as evangelical Christians, we often boil that down to like our sexuality. Right? If I can just be pure in my mind and in my actions, God will love me. I will be pleasing to God. The gospel says it's not about your flesh. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about Jesus. It's about his flesh. I'm not a child of God because of my flesh. I'm a child of God because of his flesh. Because of what Jesus did in his body. He lived a perfect life so that you don't have to. <laughs> but it doesn't mean just like go wild, woohoo. But it does mean like we, we get to, we, get, we, we can like rest. We can find our security not in the things that we do, but in the things that he has done. You remember Jesus and like at the very start of his ministry when he was baptized, he came up out of the water and this voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And I've always had a really hard time thinking like, does that apply to me somehow? Right? Like some people will say like, you're God's beloved son. God's well pleased with you. I want us to remember something. Jesus is identified as the beloved son of God, before his ministry begins. Before he multiplies the loaves and fishes. Before he heals the lame. Before he teaches and preaches and, and, and crowds come to him. Before he walked on water. Before anything that he did kind of in that ministry sense, he was already beloved of the Father. And we sang about it in the runner-up song today, <laughs> that it is not Christ, that it is not I, but Christ in me. And if you are a child of God, you are in Christ. I am in Christ. That means in Christ, I am a beloved child of God. I, God is well pleased with me because I am in Christ. <laughs> So often we measure ourselves apart from Christ. We begin to think, oh, God doesn't love me. God's not pleased with me. Are you thinking about yourself as just yourself or in Christ? There is some truth, right? Apart from Christ, we're actually called children of wrath. But in Christ, who believe in him, who received him, and receiving is actually a gift, right? I receive something. There's like this weird tension. It's like you believe, but you also receive. In Christ, I'm a child of God. And God says of you, you're my beloved child. In you, I am well pleased. So easy to argue back against that. 
And finally, I'm not a child of God because of my will, but because of his will. It talks about the will of the flesh and the will of man. So it's not, not anything I can will in my body or sort of just nothing I can will, nothing I can do. It's all about God's will. That was something that I was really meditating on. That like, God willed that I would be his child. If you know Christ, God has willed that you would also be his child. I got to go on some hikes and um, went up to Crawford Notch. Crawford Notch, so like White Mountains of New Hampshire. Two and a half hours, drove up to Mount Willard, hiked that. It was nice, a lot of people. Hiked down it, hiked up Mount Avalon, which is like right next to it. Sounds impressive. I think it's kind of impressive, but it's not really that impressive. <laughs> For me, it's impressive. Uh, and I was just like sitting there trying to pray a little bit and journal at the end of the day and just looking out and like seeing all the trees. I think one time I told you guys about how much I love branches. Well, I was just looking at all the trees. There's just like a mountainside covered in trees. And I looked around and I could see Mount Washington. And I just like this big valley. Uh, and this summer I also got to see like the mountains of Colorado. And I got to see the ocean, Cape Cod. And just like the God who made all of that is the God who willed that you would be his child. Made all that, and he desired you. <laughs> like, if I made one tree, I'd probably be, probably be happy with that. <laughs> like, that's a great tree. But no, the, like, the one who made all of that desires you. Has adopted you into his family. He can take care of you, right? You got problems? Don't worry. He has trees. He made them all. I'm not a child of God because of my will, but because of his will. So here's kind of the closing thought, that God calls you his child, and there's nothing you can do about it but believe in Jesus. God calls you his child, there's nothing you can do about it but believe in Jesus. See, it's not about my blood, my ancestors or heritage. It's not about my flesh, the things I do. It's not about my successes or my failures. And if you're someone who constantly feels like your Heavenly Father is disappointed in you, remember that you're a child of God. You're in Christ, and the Father says, man, you're my beloved child. You're my beloved son. You're special to me. It was his will that you would be his child. And I need to hear that over and over and over again. God calls you his child. There's nothing you can do about it but believe in Jesus. And if you wrestle with this, if you struggle with this, let me just encourage you to pray. (laughs) Just ask God to change your heart. Just ask God to change your heart. Ask him to just sink this identity deep in you, that you're his child, and that he loves you. 
I've begun to pray for that pretty regularly. My, uh, there's a couple things that I pray for, just like if I'm having a bad day or if I need to just, or if I have a good day and I remember, right? And one of them is that I would identify as a child of God. And we can also pray that for our family members, for the ones we love, right? Would they identify as children of God? You know, as parents, right, one of our greatest desires is that our children would, would know God, right? And we're not going to do it perfectly. <laughs> I'm certainly not doing it perfectly. Um, but we can extend grace to them. And, you know, I think when we pursue knowing our identity as children of God, I think they're going to sense that. Even in the mistakes, when we focus too much on behavior, think they're going to sense. We just have to trust the Lord in that because they're his children. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this message. Thank you for time with your people this morning. Thank you for the successes and the failures. Most of all, thank you for you. Lord, we pray for our church family who couldn't be here this morning, uh, who's home or watching the live stream, I, I, um, I think of lots of different families, Lord. Would you be with them? Would they sense uh, their identity as children of God? Would we all sense that, Lord? Grow that in our hearts. We love you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.